We are going to be reading out of Mark chapters 12, verses 38 through 44. Jesus also taught, Be aware of the teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces, and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and at the table or at the head of the table at the banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Good morning. All right, let's let's jump into this. <clears throat> we are we are like plowing through Mark, coming close to the end here. Um, this will be the last the last section in this temple f- section of Mark. We're going to move into really aggressively here towards the cross as Mark continues. But every week we, we mention this. Mark was written for disciples of Jesus. It was written as a, a road map for us in times that are unclear as to how to follow Jesus, as to how to, to live in the way of Jesus. <clears throat> this week's section, like I said, it's closing out this temple um, narrative that's happening in 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 this gospel, and it's moving aggressively now towards the cross. Next week, you, if you look at it in your Bible, there's a lot of red, a lot of red letters, and uh, we're going to be looking at some eschatology. Jesus is going to be coming pretty aggressive in the next couple of weeks. This morning's passage is similar in a lot of ways to several of the things that we've seen previously in the gospel of Mark. It seems that Mark portrays, he, he, he paints this picture of when Jesus teaches something, he then finds an example or a lived out parable, so to speak, of exactly what he just taught. A practical example of what was just going on. Last week, if you remember, we looked at the passage where Jesus challenges the religious leaders' preconceived ideas surrounding the Messiah. Remember that we looked at that passage as a critique of the culture and of the expectations that had developed, and Jesus was doing that using the Scripture. He wasn't critiquing for the sake of critique. He wasn't critiquing based off of the cultural surroundings or the norms 
or popular opinions. He was using the scripture to do that. Let's look at this passage this morning. I'm going to read this first section here um, in the ESV. Verse 38. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who walk, who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplace and have the best seat in the synagogue and the place of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater con- uh, con- condemnation. For most of us, I think your Bibles typically break this up into two sections, this, our passage today. There's typically a separate heading there. I honestly think that's a little problematic for the way these are best interpreted. I think Mark is working on one continuous thought through this section. They're tied together by this word, widow. So this first half, though, Mark begins his teaching by telling his followers to beware of the scribes. This is a warning. Beware. This is like you, I think of, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of beware is when you're hiking along the coast and you're on a cliff and you see a sign that says beware of cliff. That's when, you know, we try to keep our kids back from the cliff, right? Or you climb over the fence and look over. Um, That's the meaning here. It means beware, be cautious. There's something potentially dangerous here. Beware. This is a warning. Jesus is warning his people, warning his disciples to beware of the scribes. This is a serious statement. Who are the scribes? Remember, the scribes are the biblical scholars. These are the, these are the Bible nerds, so to speak, of his day. These were the experts in the scripture. Most of them were Pharisees. The Pharisees were very, very, extremely concerned about the law and about the scriptures. They were concerned about their traditions, their history. They had grown up. And they had built up all of these external traditions. They were concerned with how the law and the traditions and the scripture was to be interpreted. They were the experts in the scriptures. Pharisees in general were legalists. The scribes in particular were experts in the scripture. They knew the story of God. The Jews in that day had a saying that, Mos- that Moses received the law and gave it to Joshua. Joshua received the law and gave it to the elders. The elders received the law and gave it to the prophets. And the prophets received the law and gave it to the scribes. So they were the possessors of the law, the gatekeepers that were supposed to proclaim the truth of the word of God. They were supposed to to point people to God through the scriptures. 
Their responsibility was not just to interpret the Scriptures, but to apply it and to demonstrate an application of the Scriptures. They were the protectors. They they were to be protectors of the people. They were to show them the will of God through the Scriptures. They were to hold them to the law of God. So that they could, the people could be conformed to the promises of God and blessed for their obedience. This was their role. This is what the scribes were supposed to do. And yet they did the opposite. So Jesus says, beware of them. This should not be a surprise to us as we've gone through this, this gospel, as we've been spending time going through this. Remember that parable we looked at several weeks ago now, uh, <clears throat> the parable of the vineyard owners that killed the prophets, killed and were ultimately killed the son? That's these guys. Jesus is, uh, he's, he's coming down pretty harsh on these guys. But what's the threat? What's, what's really going on here? What's the problem? They're hypocrites. They're not what they appear to be. They're not what they were supposed to be. In Matthew 23, it's Matthew's account of this same story, but way more intense. <laughs> In Matthew 23, he says, Uh, that they are clean on the outside. They clean the outside of the dish, but on the inside they're filthy. Mark Mark is less descriptive. Uh, Probably because of his Gentile audience, it wasn't necessary to be as explicit about the failings of the scribes. But let's read this in Matthew 23, just because it paints the picture, I think, of what was going on. Matthew 23, starting in verse 23. Jesus says, Woe to you, Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside They are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus is not messing around with these guys. It's pretty intense. He says on the outside, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful. But inside, you're corrupt, rotting flesh. He talks about their fake outside. That's what we get in Mark. He talks about they like to walk around in their long robes. These robes were very expensive, fancy. They were unique. 
They wanted to be noticed for how special they were, how unique they were. They wanted to be, in our modern vernacular, celebrities. They wanted to be seen. They liked, Mark says, when people acknowledged them and talked them up in public. They wanted to be noticed. They wanted the best seat at the meal or in the synagogue. They wanted to sit in front so that everybody could look at them. They wanted to be heard praying long, eloquent prayers, the kind that makes everybody else feel a little bit less spiritual. And all of this for a pretense that's an attempt to make something that is not the case appear true. It was all pretend. But I think, honestly, the key to this whole passage is this phrase, they devour widows' houses. What does that mean? They devour widows' houses. These scribes, these religious leaders, were supposed to be the protectors of the word of God. They were to teach the people what it means to follow God. And instead, they were devouring widows' houses. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. All through the Old Testament, I mean, we could spend a lot of time walking through every time the scriptures that they were there to guard say to care for the widow, care for the foreigner, care for the orphan. Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells this story of a scribe, a religious leader from Jerusalem, who ended up getting exiled to Rome because he succeeded in persuading a high-standing, a wealthy widow into making a substantial gift to the temple where he then embezzled that money personally. The Roman emperor, Tiberius, was outraged. This would have been as Mark is writing to a Gentile audience, probably in Rome, this would have been something they would remember or think about, possibly. That's why, that's why Mark didn't have to spend too much time. They had something in mind already. When he says they devour widows' households, this is something they literally did. They would exploit a widow, a vulnerable person, convince her to give all her money and wealth and squander it. They consumed them. The verb here literally means to plunder them or to eat them up. What a contrast. Last week, David's Lord becomes David's son. He did not use his power as a means of gaining popularity and wealth, but he gave up his life. And here are the protectors of the word consuming the household of these widows. Beware of them, Jesus says. 
then what happens next is really fascinating. Mark's narrative just kind of moves on. And we see Jesus pointing out this widow, dropping her coins in the offering. This is why it's really important to read your Bible in context. Because so often we hear this passage taught as just a giving principle, which is true, and we'll look at that. But if you miss the fact that the previous narrative was about a widow, about widows being consumed, I think you miss the value of this next section. Jesus points to this poor widow I think it's directly pointing back to this warning about the scribes. I think that it's putting an exclamation point on this whole section that has happened in the temple. Remember when Jesus came into the temple, what did he say? He came in and he turned over the tables and he said, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of... A den of... Thieves? Den of robbers? den of, of, of devourers, consumers that are swallowing up widows. This is the exclamation point on what Jesus began when he entered the temple and turned over those tables. Let's read this again. Start at verse 20, or 41, sorry. And he sat down opposite the treasury And he watched the people putting money in the offering box. So this is happening in the court of women. This is the only section of the temple where women were allowed to come. And in this court, there are several uh, offering boxes, similar to what we have out front. Uh, But these would have ram's horns or like shofars turned upside down. This is, I mean, like, you know, if you go to like, McDonald's drive-thru, the little coin thing you can put, put in, right? You can't actually get your money out. It's the same idea. There are these boxes that you could put your coins in this small end of a ram's horn, and it would go into the box so you couldn't get your money back out. Several of these surrounded, and people would walk in, and they, as they were walking out, they would drop their offerings. So Jesus is watching all this happening Many rich people put in large sums into the offering. Verse 42, And a poor widow came and put two small copper coins, which make a penny. Mark is translating, he's he's translating that currency for his Gentile audience that makes a penny. But what it was is these two small copper coins that was effectively one sixty-fourth of a denarius, which is a day's pay for a day laborer. So for a peasant day laborer, one sixty-fourth of their day, day's pay. It's nothing. And he called his disciples to him and he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put more, it's an important word, than all those who are contributing to this offering box. 
For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had, all she had to live on. How ironic this word more in Mark's description. Everything about this woman could be described as less. Practically in comparison to the scribes and the wealthy crowd. And yet in the contrast between her genuine devotion and faith in her gift and the pretense of the wealthy is beyond compare. For Jesus, the value of the gift is not the amount given, but the cost of the giver, cost to the giver. That's the giving principle here. This, this passage is usually just taken in that context, and that's, that's a true principle. The principle is good. Jesus is highlighting that it's better to give out of your lack. It's better to give uh, when, it, when it hurts than half-heartedly out of your abundance. That like uh, Ryan's joke about like set, set up the reoccurring and forget it. That's, that's a little bit like <laughs> out of your abundance and you're not thinking about it. But the point here is like think about your offering. This should actually like, you should feel it. That's, I think, how this is typically looked at. And I don't, I think that's true. Like we, let's, not, let's not diminish that. We should give till it hurts. But I don't think that's the main point of this section. The widow did not give until it hurts. Mark says she gave her whole life. She didn't just give until it hurts. She gave everything. This system had devoured her. The very system that was supposed to protect her, show her love, and point her to the creator God, exploited her and left her for dead. This is the irony here. Jesus preached love to the sinners. And here, it seems judgment to the religious. Not, of course, because they were religious, but because they were inconsistent and indeed hypocritical. In this case, it's the widow that is the picture of what it looks like to be Christ-like. She laid down everything, all that she had. The word can be translated her whole life. She laid it down. Much in the same way as we continue in this gospel, Jesus is going to lay his whole life down. We'll look more at this in, in the coming weeks, but immediately after this passage, chapter 13, uh, the disciples and Jesus are walking out of Jerusalem, and the disciples point out to how amazing the architecture is, how big the stones are, and how amazing this looks. And Jesus says, it's all coming down. This whole system that's been built up, it's coming down. 
And Jesus is instituting his kingdom, a new kingdom community, the church, that is, so to speak, a model home pointing to the restoration of all things, the kingdom to come. So what's our takeaway? What does this mean for you and I this week? It's the lesson for us here. The good news is that Jesus is not like these scribes. He is not like these religious leaders. He doesn't overlook and exploit the vulnerable. He sees the weak and the marginalized. He comes to them. He makes a way for them. He opens the door for all of us to come before him. For us as apprentices of Jesus, we do need to watch that we don't fall into the trap of the scribes. As a church, this is what Jesus has established. We are called to be Jesus' living temple, a house of prayer for all nations, not a den of robbers. We are called to be the place where people encounter the living God when they talk to you. They should see something different in you in the way that you care for them and point them to the loving God, the creator God. This is a high call for the church. Eugene Peterson says that the local church, the church is a colony of heaven in a country of death. It's a beautiful picture. If we find ourselves more interested in what others think of us than what's actually going on in our hearts, I think Jesus is woe to us. If we find ourselves so focused on our position, our popularity, our rights, our privileges, our power, that we exploit others or ignore systems of exploitation, then we're acting just like the scribes. I think Jesus would say, woe to us. Let's be a people, let's be a community that is truly a colony of heaven in a country of death. Let's give extravagantly. Let's display the love and the care, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the scriptures in a way that invites in the, the marginalized, the poor, the weak. Let's be a people that cares deeply for those in our community that are far from God. Let's be a people that goes above and beyond to care for the vulnerable, and the marginalized. Amen? I'm going to pray, and the worship team can come up. We're going to actually, we're going to take communion together after this first song in the second set. So Nikolai's going to come up and lead us in that. But, uh, yeah, let's pray, and then we can worship. God, I just thank you that your word is true. Even when it stings a little, it's true. God, I pray that you would help to conform us to your image. That this community, Refuge Christian Fellowship, would be known as an extravagantly generous community. 
that we would care for those in our midst, that we would care for each other in a way that points to the good news of the gospel, that we would care for our community in a way that paints a picture of an all-loving creator God. God, help us to live and act like you. Jesus, we ask that you would have your way. Amen.